right, it's time now for full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. Each Wednesday morning, we check in with David Greising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association, to talk about the things that government is doing and sometimes the things the government would prefer we not know that they're doing. Uh, one thing we all know as of this week, and it's not a surprise to anybody, but J.B. Pritzker is running for re-election. So, David Greising, we start this morning with a, a kind of a scorecard now, uh, well into the governor's first term uh, and to look at whether anybody really can make a credible run against the very wealthy and very well-financed governor as he seeks another four years in office. What does this race look like from where you stand? Well, Governor Pritzker spent $35 million in March to begin funding his campaign. He spent $171 million in 2018 in running against Bruce Rauner another billionaire who was able to match him. Uh, the money question probably will take care of itself because there's plenty of Republican money in the state if there's a credible candidate. The real question is, what is the governor's record and can he successfully run on it? And uh, Governor Pritzker has said that the election will likely be all about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and his response to it. And he's probably got a point there. There will be a lot of focus on it although there are a lot of other factors to take into account when you consider the governor's full record. You know, the governor is getting pretty uh, decent approval ratings in statewide surveys right now. Uh, but as you note accurately, David, the COVID pandemic response is a real double-edged sword. A lot of people, I think, agreed with the decisive action that was taken to try to keep the virus from spreading out of control. And when we started to loosen things up and the numbers went back up again, then the governor tightened it back down again. Uh, and, you know, you could certainly argue that prevented a bad situation from getting a whole lot worse. On the other hand, you have situations like the LaSalle Veterans Home, uh, a, a needless loss of life there because of just some a truly careless uh, oversight or lack thereof. And you've also got the continuing crisis, the Department of Employment Security, which was simply caught flat-footed with the uh, degree of need uh, that they were about to encounter, but uh, still haven't really corrected a lot of those problems so many months later. And the governor's got an answer for those. No, he does need to answer for those problems, especially at the Department of Employment Security, where there was a, a failure to recognize the problems early, also a lack of funding and other supports. There are plenty of issues uh, to go after the governor on, the failure of his flat tax, which is his signature proposal for the, uh, for the election in the first place. The trouble is, if you're going to go after the governor for his failures, for example, at LaSalle, uh, it's a tough needle to thread for a Republican, presumably, who will be saying the governor did too much on pandemic, uh, you know, was was kind of this autocrat kind of imposing uh, mask mandates and other things on the state, and then to be critical that uh, he didn't do enough in, in, to protect people in the South from, uh, from COVID, uh, you know, it, it, it is a little bit tricky. Um, it all depends a lot, too, on who runs against him. You know, we've seen so far that a couple of candidates, uh, Senator Darren Bailey and Senator Paul Schimpf, both of, both of whom would be likely to uh, try to make the, the election all about COVID. Uh, but as we've indicated, um, the election probably will cover things like uh, the, the flat tax amendment, things like maybe even his flip-flop on um, um, the fair maps, uh, 
possibly the failure to pass a meaningful ethics reform package. Those are other issues that possibly could be dragged into a re-election campaign. Yeah, uh, no doubt that uh, Republicans will absolutely try to make ethics a big part of this upcoming campaign season. And there are a few wild cards there, such as what happens with Mike Madigan. We know a lot of his uh, closest allies and associates are either under scrutiny or under indictment. That last shoe has not dropped yet against the former speaker, but if it does, uh, you can be assured that Republicans will take every opportunity they can uh, to hang Mike Madigan around J.B. Pritzker's neck, even though <laughs> Madigan was there and in power long before J.B. Pritzker ever thought about entering the uh, the political arena. Uh, in, in that backdrop, we had another big development last week, which was the resignation of the legislative inspector general, Carol Pope, uh, announcing that she'll step down in December or sooner because she says, based upon the ethics reform legislation that was passed this spring, it's clear that really cleaning up ethics at the state house is not a priority of this legislature. And David, I, I know you know she's she's got a point uh, in this. You yourself have talked about the uh, fairly weak sauce that was the, quote, ethics reform bill from this past spring. Absolutely. And uh, it seems sometimes that these politicians feel that they can uh, fail to act with absolute impunity, that there will be no consequences. And this is the kind of consequence one sees when uh, politicians, elected representatives of us, uh, fail to act on something as important as this sprawling public corruption problem in the state of Illinois, which, as you pointed out, has ensnared Michael Madigan, although he's not yet been charged, but certainly uh, several people around him have been charged. And, uh, of course, many others uh, in, in uh, Chicago and uh, Springfield uh, public office. And so Carol Pope, when she looked at the entirety of the ethics reform package, she said, I just can't do the job that I'm supposed to do, and I'm not going to be part of this charade anymore, and I'm going to quit. And uh, she, it, you know, the, the, the bill uh, the, that still awaits the governor's signature um, does, allows an inspector general to launch uh, an investigation of a member of the legislature, but does not allow them to sub issue a subpoena without approval of a commission made up entirely of legislators. Uh, also doesn't allow the LIG to publish uh, findings and narrowly limits what they can look into to the legislative activities and nothing beyond that. And she just thought this is not meaningful, a, a meaningful office anymore, and therefore I won't be part of making it look like it is. She uh, was uh, very frustrated when she uh, spoke to us live on the air uh, a few days back, noting that uh, actually the ethics reform bill actually limited her ability in one respect, whereas previously if uh, she uh, w became aware of, say, a, a newspaper report of some questionable activity by a lawmaker, she could open up a case file on it. Now she has to receive a formal written complaint from someone uh, before she can do it, or she would have to do that if indeed this uh, is signed into law. Uh, David, J.B. Pritzker could inoculate himself against the political attacks on this, either by uh, not signing or mandatorily vetoing this legislation, or by coming back with his own much tougher ethics package in the spring legislative session. Based on what we've seen so far, is there any chance any of those things might happen? Well, uh, unlikely, I would say, on the first point, um, he uh, has indicated a willingness to sign the bill. Of course, things may change now because of the Carol Pope resignation, but he has said it's a good start and more needs to be done. 
Uh, to your second point, Jim, uh, we all are waiting uh, for Governor Pritzker to really flex his muscles on the question of ethics reform. Uh, he ran saying he was going to clean up government and um, uh, so far has shown, uh, even being given a great opportunity to do so, has shown a lack of willingness to spend political capital on that. So possibly in the heat of campaign he does that. That would be incredible and really good news for the state of Illinois. Uh, but um, I guess I won't be holding my breath. All right, we're back on full disclosure with the Better Government Association. David Grising is the president and CEO. And uh, David, real quickly, uh, we continue to wrestle with the COVID-19 pandemic. We talked about the political ramifications. There are also significant educational ramifications for this. While the uh, Illinois State Board of Education seems to be leaving this up to local decision making to decide how we're going to deal with pandemic safety rules in the fall, the Illinois Board of Higher Education is urging colleges and universities to impose a vaccination mandate for students coming back to campus this fall. Uh, this is certainly still an incredibly fraught issue. Yeah, it's fraught because of the uh, strange politics of pandemics, of the pandemic, uh, in which vaccines, which all of science indicates, are the best guard against the continued spread of the pandemic, and on an individual basis, the best guard of people's health, uh, has become this political issue, uh, especially in Illinois and downstate Illinois. Uh, the Illinois uh, Board of Higher Education, as you indicated, uh, has stated that all colleges and universities in this state should require uh, uh, vaccination. We've already seen the University of Illinois system do so as of June. Uh, Universities like Northwestern, DePaul, Loyola have done so. Um, some of the downstate schools so far we, we have not yet heard from. Uh, this is uh, pretty important because uh, young people getting together in the thousands uh, at colleges and universities, uh, you often in close proximity with each other, not just in their dorm rooms, but at social events and even in classrooms, are a very vulnerable uh, population. And uh, so it's good to see uh, the leadership of the state's uh, higher education uh, make this statement. And I would expect uh, full compliance across the state, ultimately, even while we haven't yet heard from some of the colleges and universities statewide. Before we let you go, we want to make sure we direct people's attention to the Better Government Association website, a wealth of information there and new articles posted regularly, including the PolitiFact Illinois Fact Check Service, which is critically important all the time, especially heading into an election year to keep tabs on the statements that our elected officials and politicians are making and, and how they uh, measure up in terms of veracity. There is a another new fact check that is out this week, uh, David, regarding recent comments from an Illinois lawmaker. Right. State Senator Terry Bryant of Murfreesboro on a, a radio call-in show uh, made a statement indicating that the governor's expansion of Medicaid-type benefits to uh, um, undocumented eight, uh, uh, immigrants uh, it t basically gave them preferential treatment over citizens of the United States. And we found that statement to be false on a number of different levels. Yes, the state has expanded coverage, but essentially the benefits to the undocumented immigrants are, are the same and not better as uh, the senator's uh, comments indicated.
You know, and you can certainly disagree on a policy perspective, but you've got to be starting from a, a basis of fact uh, to be able to have a, a principal disagreement on that. So that's why, again, that fact check service is so valuable there. David, speaking of Medicaid, we uh, talked uh, last week about the BGA's legal fight to get its hands on uh, more documents related to some of the Medicaid contracts the state's issued. Any update on that or is that going to be dragging on for a while? Well, when we go to court, often it takes years. We've been, been in battle uh, with Navy Pier, for example, for uh, about seven years now. So this one is just getting started, Jim. And unfortunately, we don't yet have a result from our effort to obtain records from uh, one of the contractors to the Medicaid system in the state who refuses to turn over information that's directly related to public health in this state. And the public has a right to these records. We will, of course, continue to follow that developing story. In the meantime, David, how do people find you in the BGA the rest of the week? I'm at degreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. We will not have full disclosure next Wednesday morning. I'm on vacation. David is also on vacation. We're not going anyplace together because I couldn't possibly keep up with him. But, uh, but we both uh, coincidentally have the same week off. So we'll pick this up in uh, two weeks.